From The Conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where Michelle discusses the issues of the day with The Conversation's politics team. Hi, my name's Amanda Dunn. I'm the Politics and Society Editor for The Conversation and I'm speaking with Michelle Grattan. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Amanda. Michelle, we've passed the very grim milestone of 10,000 COVID deaths and we have a huge and rising number of cases and even an outbreak on a cruise ship, which is quite the strong feeling of deja vu, I have to say, from the start of the pandemic. But governments have been reluctant so far to make any mandates in terms of masks or working from home requirements or, or measures that were put in place earlier in the pandemic. What's happening with this? It's interesting what a new stage we've got into. And just to put those deaths into context, while we've passed 10,000, nearly 8,000 of those have been so far this year. So you can see how the death rate, while still low by international standards, has risen very substantially in the last few months. But at the same time, the public mood has changed. People have moved on. You remember that Scott Morrison used to talk about living with COVID and it sounded very problematic, very uh, unrealistic in a way, but that's exactly what's happened. And now governments, having earlier said they followed expert advice and relied on the health officials, are now second-guessing and contradicting the health officials. And we saw that in Victoria today. The health officials recommended the mandating of masks in certain situations, but the health minister said this wouldn't be done. She said that it wasn't the most effective way to get out the message about masks, and she said that she wanted to empower Victorians to make their own decisions. So we've really come a very long way from those days of lockdown and those days of very strong reactions. Now it's all advice. If you're in crowded places, the advice is to wear masks, but it's not mandated. And I think governments fear that if they did mandate heavy restrictions again, people just wouldn't follow them. For example, on public transport, where you are supposed to wear masks, lots of people don't. So if you get to a critical mass of people not being willing to follow the rules, how do you enforce those rules? And of course, in Victoria, where a state election is coming up in a few months, the government is very sensitive to public opinion. Yes, I was actually about to say that, Michelle, because of course, Victorians head to the polls at the end of November, but also New South Wales is due for an election in March next year. A lot of these issues are within the purview of state governments, and they are very reluctant to use the mandate word, are they not? Well, that's absolutely right. They are very sensitive to what people are now thinking and knowing that people really now have pandemic fatigue. And this is one aspect of pandemic fatigue, they're sick of restrictions. And as you say, it's uh, mainly a state matter, these various uh, restrictions. And the federal government is anxious to point that out. That message has come from Anthony Albanese, for example, when he was asked about the issue. So I think that it's certainly a very light touch 
at the moment in terms of governments telling people what to do. They're giving advice and there's been a strong message from the federal government to get up to date with your vaccinations and of course fourth doses are now being extended to a wider population. So there's been some activism by the federal government in particular but not mandating by any governments. Yes, and at the same time, they must be extremely worried about the state of the hospital system. I mean, particularly here in Victoria, we've had weeks and weeks of reporting about ambulances going into code reds because they can't cope with the pressure and the hospital system under enormous pressure because of COVID admissions and also staff off sick because of COVID. Um, And I know that this is true around the country, not just in Victoria. This is a huge problem for politicians, isn't it? It is. And of course, we're only uh, getting to halfway through winter. So things are expected to get worse in the next few weeks. And the pressure on the hospital system will become all the greater. And and people will also start to complain when they can't get surgery for various complaints because the hospitals are overburdened. So it it really is quite a a wicked problem. All right, Michelle, on another issue, Prime Minister Albanese and Treasurer Jim Chalmers yesterday announced the details of their planned job summit, which is to be held September 1st and 2nd. So it's going to cover everything from enterprise bargaining to migration, with a particular emphasis on women's employment and equality in the workplace. Albanese says he's modelling this on Bob Hawke's job summit in 1983, although this one only goes for two days instead of four. What do you think this summit will achieve or hopes to achieve, and how do they stop it from just becoming coming, you know, a gab fest. It's a fine line because what happens at these sorts of meetings is that people give speeches, essentially. So you can get a a whole lot of contributions, but not enough interaction and not enough drilling down to issues. What the government is trying to do is get a bit more depth by having particular ministers lead the work in particular areas. For example, on, on the women's employment front, Katie Gallagher, the minister for women will be the lead minister. There'll also be discussion papers and it'll depend too on how the participants are brief to to make their contributions in the sense of trying to just get beyond rhetoric. Hopefully they'll bring in many cases something a a bit new to the debate, but maybe that's uh, too aspirational. It won't, for the most part, have great immediate effects. Some ideas could be taken to the October budget, but there'll be a government-wide paper prepared by Treasury over the coming year, and uh, that'll sort of bounce on from the summit. There'll be community consultations, and that'll be a, a solid piece of work. But I think the government will want some common recognition of problems, and we have now mounting economic problems on multiple fronts from rising interest rates, supply chain problems, labour market shortages, real wages going backwards, all sorts of problems. So at least to bring people together from the business side, the union side, civil society groups and get some common recognition of problems will be useful if that can be achieved. And of course, some good ideas. Jim Chalmers talked about picking people's brains. Well, there'll be quite a lot of brains there to pick.
All right, Michelle, and Anthony Albanese is off to the Pacific Islands Forum in Fiji tomorrow, which is actually turning out to be a slightly tense-sounding meeting. Kiribati has pulled out of the forum and now the Marshall Islands are saying that they are leaving too. How difficult is this going to be for Albanese and what does he hope to get out of it? do you think? The forum's got a lot of uh, internal problems and uh, that's caused ructions and, and these um, pullouts and threats of, of pullouts. Australia really can only uh, counsel unity and the benefits of unity. It can't really do much more on that front. Australia, of course, is emphasising its new climate change policy and there'll be discussion of Australia's wish to co-host a, a UN climate conference, the 2024 climate conference, in conjunction with these Pacific countries. The interesting thing will be the extent to which the issue of China uh, sits over the forum as some sort of cloud. Of course, uh, the Pacific countries are somewhat divided about China. Australia is very anxious to do its best to minimise the expansion of uh, China's influence with these countries. And as the Prime Minister prepares to go to the forum, the Defence Minister, Richard Miles, who's in the United States, has uh, talked quite strongly about China's military build-up in the region. So the China issue seems to be uh, one that's ever-present in uh, all the discussions in international meetings these days. All right, and this will no doubt bring about some fresh criticism of Albanese that he has travelled too much in his short time as Prime Minister. But this seems like an important meeting for him to attend. What do you think? I think it is. There's no way that uh, the government could be arguing that it was really important for uh, the region to um, hang together and that we give priority to the interests of of these specific countries. uh, And then the Prime Minister say, sorry, people are criticising me. I've uh, got to stay home. But one interesting consequence of this is that so on Wednesday, Jim Chalmers will be acting PM. So everybody gets a turn. <laughs> All right. Should be your turn soon too, Michelle. Always great to talk with you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Amanda. Our theme music is by Blue Dot Sessions. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com.